0: Good evening. Donald Trump, is he running for president? An oath keeper testifies in a sedition trial linked to the January 6, 2021 invasion of the U.S. Capitol. The election for governor of New York. Race and crime takes center stage. It's a surprise in a blue state. And reporters walk out for a day in New Jersey. With these and other stories, I'm Paul D'Arienzo with the news for Monday, November 7, 2022. Former President Donald Trump strongly hinted but did not formally announce his 2024 presidential candidacy Monday in Dayton, Ohio. He was stumping for U.S. Senate candidate J.D. Vance and there was a look on Trump's face that could be interpreted as him struggling not to do what he eventually put off until next week, announcing he's running for re-election.
1: And we will be a great nation again. But not to detract from tomorrow's very important, even critical, election. And I would say, in the strongest way, it's a country-saving election, specifically including the election of all the people that I'm going to name. I'm going to be making a very big announcement on Tuesday November 15th at Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida. We want nothing to detract from the importance of tomorrow. You understand that, J.D.?
0: During the speech, Trump painted a dark picture of a crime-ravaged country led by an incompetent President Joe Biden, who Trump derided as demented, as the former president narrated a tape highlighting examples of garbled syntax by a president nearing 80, who has spent a lifetime managing a stutter. Trump said he'd make his announcement next Tuesday from Mar-a-Lago in Florida. Oath Keepers founder Stuart Rhodes testified Monday that his far-right group had no plan to storm the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, adding the members of his organization who did barrel into the building that day made a stupid decision. Rhodes was testifying in his own defense is on trial along with four defendants on seditious conspiracy and other charges in connection with the Capitol invasion. He testified that the oath keepers came to Washington, D.C. to provide security to prominent Trump supporters, that his rhetoric in the run up to January 6 was aimed at getting then President Trump to invoke the Insurrection Act. Three, two, one. He testified that the oath keepers came to Washington, D.C. to provide security to prominent Trump supporters, that his rhetoric in the run up to January 6 was aimed at getting then President Trump to invoke the Insurrection Act to call up militias and stay in power, and that there was no plan to storm the Capitol. Rhodes and his alleged co-conspirators Jessica Watkins, Kelly Meggs, Kenneth Harrelson, and Thomas Caldwell are charged with seditious conspiracy, obstruction, and other offenses in connection with January 6th. And the founder of the Global Project Against Hate and Extremism is Heidi Byrick, a regular on this news program. She's been looking under the hood to understand the workings of the far right in the United States Byrick says Oath Keepers founder Stuart Rhodes spent his time on the witness stand distancing himself from the hundreds of Trump supporters who stormed the Capitol.
2: Rhodes has basically skated around all the things that have been alleged about his behavior leading up to January 6th and after January 6th. And he seems to be attempting to lay responsibility for the involvement of the Oath Keepers that day on everyone around him. In fact, he's acting as though he plays Almost no leadership role in this organization, contrary to to all the facts.
0: Isn't it unusual for a defendant in any trial to to testify because of their right to remain silent and all of that?
2: Yeah, I suppose that Rhodes thought that he could get the jurors on his side by playing this sort of victim role as though he's been, you know, falsely painted I'm sure that uh, in many, you know, in many cases, they asked the defendant not to take the stand.
0: Right. And, you know, 330 million other Americans uh, managed to avoid Washington, D.C. that afternoon. So the fact that he was there and whistling in the dark, I wasn't doing nothing, is in itself damning.
2: Yeah. And that he was in a, you know, a garage on the night of January 5th with the head of the Proud Boys. is isn't a good look either in this case.
0: Looking at it globally, is this showing that this attempt, this Trumpian, uh, I call it Trumpian assault on democracy, while dangerous, is more a warning to Americans rather than a danger in and of itself?
2: I think at this point, the fact that we don't have consensus in this country that January 6th was an insurrection, we still have people running for office saying it was like tourists being up at the Capitol, and that the country hasn't come together to condemn this clear attempt to undermine democracy is a real problem in the United States. Of course, in the months since January 6th, we have an entire election denial movement that has sprung up. We have people running for office on platforms where they say, you know, essentially, I'm going to make sure that the 2024 election goes to Trump. All of this is what has played out in the months since January 6th. So in that respect, the groups who were part of the assault on the Capitol have sort of gotten their wish, right? This, this has undermined democracy in the minds of many Americans and made them question whether our electoral system is fair, regardless of all the evidence that shows that it is.
0: And psychological warfare. Is this totally homegrown or because there's so much more news coming out about the ties of Putin and Russia and the light of the war and everything? It's
2: there's still evidence of Russian propaganda trying to interfere here in the midterms. It seems to me that our system is under assault from outside and from within at the same time.
0: What should people get ready for? I mean, abortion is such a big fight. tomorrow's the election. How should people deal with this obvious, as you're describing, rise of fascism in America in a much more uh, brutal manner than in the past?
2: it's the challenge of our age it's interesting the way that this has occurred so quickly right that a whole election denial movement the empowerment of the kinds of candidates that we have running for office basically saying they want to manipulate the system are protecting our democracy is the challenge of the day right against people who don't agree with that system i mean at least that's the way that
0: i see it people should vote tomorrow
2: Everyone should vote. We're I sometimes just shocked that we're even discussing the possibility that this system could
0: fall after 250 years. It's unbelievable. Heidi Beirich is founder of the Global Project Against Hate and Extremism. And seditious conspiracies of federal law that prohibits conspiring to overthrow the United States government by force. It was enacted in 1861 as a response to the secession of slaveholding states leading to the Civil War. Eleven members of the Oath Keepers, including Rhodes and five members of the Proud Boys, including leader Enrique Tarrio, were charged under the law for their alleged activities during the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Mark Graber is Regents Professor of Constitutional Law at the University of Maryland. He says the Constitution is crumbling and the future of democracy is at stake.
3: Well, what he's trying to say was he had no involvement in what actually happened, that he was not leagued which is a term of art with the people who actually participated in the January 6th insurrection.
0: We did see pictures of what seemed to be Proud Boys in uniform doing that military-style advance in single straight-file line into the building.
3: The evidence is against that claim, but people are entitled to say whatever they want, subject to perjury prosecutions and the jury not believing them.
0: What's the purpose of that, of testifying in in this one manner? It doesn't seem to be helping his case, or maybe it is.
3: I really don't know, since the defense team has never contacted me, probably for very good reasons. (laughs) The purpose may be to try the case over the Internet. And lots of things get believed on the Internet that don't get believed anywhere else.
0: Maybe expecting a possible win by uh, the former president. Are these guys going to get jail time if they're convicted, do you think?
3: It's quite probable. What they did wasn't simply you know, an insurrection in a technical term, but people died. Many people were severely injured. Significant property damage took place.
0: Supporters like the former president would jump in on it as a political prosecution. Constitutionally. Is that an accurate statement or assertion for him to make?
3: It's a political prosecution only in the very narrow sense that it's a political choice to prosecute anyone. But what he did was a crime by any partisan agenda if you believe what appear to be the obvious facts.
0: Unless you believe the the election was stolen.
3: No, even if the election was stolen, if I think, say, the Maryland gubernatorial election is stolen, there are many things I can do, but I cannot storm the Maryland General Assembly. I cannot trespass where I'm not want. I cannot beat up police officers, even, even if a, I think the election was stolen.
0: And even if the President of the United States said it was stolen and called out his guys who he once said, uh, stand, stand by, right?
3: The President of the United States has no authority to say, put in the person I think ought to be governor of Maryland.
0: What does this say about elections going forward?
3: I'm not a very good prophet. What I can say is in the 19th century, polling places were not always the safest. Wasn't true for most of the 20th. I fear in many parts of the country it may be true again.
0: So it'll be like those horrible pre-Civil War stories or post-Civil War stories during Reconstruction where night Riders came.
3: Too strong. But pushing, shoving, threats, too probable.
0: What does that say for constitutional rule in the future?
3: Our constitutional democracy is under severe strain. Obeying the rules would be useful.
0: That's not what's happening. Are we going to, is this, do you think this is civil war material or is this just protracted domestic dislike and hatred between factions of the country that's going to just mark our time, our era?
3: Civil war is wrong because it's not the case that everybody who is blue is in a blue state, everybody who is red is in a red state. My friend Jack Balkin has an expression, constitutional rot. Our fundamental institutions are eroding, and if they erode too much more, we don't know what will replace them.
0: Mark Graber is Regents Professor of Constitutional Law at the University of Maryland. Oath Keepers founder Stuart Rhodes denied plotting an armed rebellion against the government and says there was no plan to enter the Capitol. In related news, Steve Bannon, former President Trump's chief White House strategist and 2016 campaign CEO, will remain free from a four-month prison sentence as he appeals his recent conviction on two counts of criminal contempt of Congress. Bannon, a private citizen at the time of the January 6th committee's creation last year, was charged after he rebuffed the panel's demand he sit for a deposition with investigators and hand over documents relevant to the congressional probe. Judge Carl Nichols filed the expected ruling on Monday, delaying the prison term after Bannon filed a notice appealing his conviction on Friday. The case will now make its way through the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, and Bannon will only serve time in prison if his conviction is upheld by higher courts. And with Election Day looming in this year's midterms, polls are showing that the contest to control the United States Senate is down to the wire, while Republicans are placed to retake the House of Representatives. Early vote numbers are surging. More than 40 million have voted early. Early voting surpassed 2 million in Georgia and giving Democrats hope they can maintain their slim Senate majority. In a closely watched race between football star Herschel Walker and Democrat Raphael Warnock, the Republican has maintained a slim lead. Despite news, the conservative Christian Walker paid for a girlfriend's abortion. In the last few days, President Joe Biden has campaigned in Albuquerque, San Diego, and Joliet, Illinois, before joining President Barack Obama in Philadelphia to get out the vote for Pennsylvania Senate candidate John Fetterman. Biden praised Fetterman as a real Pennsylvanian, while blasting his GOP opponent, Dr. Mehmet Oz, as
4: an interloper. I know Pennsylvania well, and John Fetterman is Pennsylvania. He is Pennsylvania. And Oz and Pennsylvania? Look, I've lived lived in Pennsylvania longer than Oz has lived in Pennsylvania. And I moved away when I was 10 years old.
0: (laughs) Polls show the Senate race in Pennsylvania, a toss-up between the two candidates. Trump made a visit to stump for Oz as the campaign winds down. Meanwhile, in the race for governor of Pennsylvania, polls show Democrat Josh Shapiro, 12 points ahead of Republican opponent Doug Mastriano, who is a strong supporter of Trump and advocate for the conspiracy theory the 2020 election was stolen. Former President Barack Obama made light of Mastriano's conservative views, speaking in Philadelphia.
3: Now, Josh's opponent, oh, wait a hey, He's willing to take the most extreme positions on pretty much everything. I mean, you name it. Global warming, he says it's fake science. Doesn't matter what the thermometers say. Should gay people be allowed to get married or adopt children? Nope. He doesn't think so. He does think it's okay to dress up in a Confederate uniform for a staff photo at the college where he used to teach. And, hey, it wasn't even Halloween. It was, it was like casual Friday or something.
0: Former President Barack Obama, Pennsylvania is a key swing state that may decide the presidency two years hence. And you're listening to the news from New York City. I'm Paul Drienzo. In New York State, the race for governor was supposed to be a cakewalk for incumbent Democrat Kathy Hochul, who was surprised by right-wing GOP challenger Lee Zeldin. On election eve, the candidates sprinted around New York City and its suburbs. The weekend was packed with appearances alongside President Biden, former President Bill Clinton, and other Democratic luminaries. Zeldin, a Long Island congressman, has run a campaign hammering Hochul on crime and economic woes. Addressing a reporter who questioned Hochul's sensitivity to the public's fear of crime, the governor said the GOP is stoking fear to gain power.
1: I
2: understand
3: the fear is out there, but fanning the flames of fear to get people terrified is another story. And I'm not even talking about the statistics you could get out yourself. I'm talking about I understand the real fear that people have. And that's why I've been working hard on this. We're not done yet. We're not done yet at all. We have more to do. But I'm intentionally focused on this. I think it's just silly season and I'm not listening.
0: In related news, Carrie Lake, the former news anchor and prominent advocate of the false theory the 2020 election was stolen from Trump, who is running for governor of Arizona, took time to comment on New York state politics on Fox News.
2: The left is desperate right now. They know that their policies have been destructive and disastrous and that they can't sugarcoat them, they can't put a cherry on top and try to make things look good for the voters. The voters realize that these policies are disastrous and they are voting for Republicans. And I think there's a bit of panic. I mean, we've definitely seen our threats go up, the nasty letters we're receiving, including the one that's being investigated, the two that are being investigated right now. Lee Zeldin got stabbed while he was speaking to a crowd of people not all that long ago, and it barely got any Coverage.
0: Despite Lake's assertion, in fact, there was no stabbing last summer when a distraught veteran assaulted Zeldin on the campaign trail. There was a brief tussle with Zeldin before several people stepped in to help apprehend the guy, and nobody was seriously injured.
3: There's
2: only one
0: option.
3: You're done. You're done. You're done. You're done. done done done
0: The assailant, David Jakubonis, was released to an inpatient alcohol treatment facility last month. Zeldin has expressed sympathy for Jakubonis and said he supports him in getting the help he needs. Meanwhile, in more election news, earlier on Monday, Zeldin's campaign was accused of using images of a mentally ill man who was shot and killed by Brooklyn police officers four years ago. In a political advertisement, advocates charged was racist and misleading
3: there's no question that the fear of crime is
0: real then without warning he turns violent and
4: continues.
1: you're looking at actual violent crimes caught on camera in kathy Hokels, new york and it's getting much worse
0: 34-year-old Saeed Vassell was gunned down on April 4th, 2018 in Crown Heights by police officers from the 71st Precinct. Attorney General Letitia James's Special Investigations and Prosecutions Unit released his report one year later stating that no charges were legally justified, but also recommended officers should undergo further training. Outside Brooklyn Borough Hall on Monday, his father, Eric Vassell, demanded they had be pulled.
1: Today, I am asking Mr. Lee Zellin, take down that racist ad. The community is asking Mr. Zellin to take down that racist ad. The friends and family are asking Mr. Zellin to take that take down that racist ad because my son Saeed Vassal was a loving a kind person. He was not a violent criminal. Thank you.
0: Eric Vassel is the father of Saeed Vassel who was gunned down on April 4th 2018 in Crown Heights by police officers from the 71st precinct. The ad was never pulled. And finally, can democracy survive without journalism? Labor reporter Bob Henley reports for Insider New Jersey. On Friday, over 200 journalists with the News Guild CWA walked off their jobs as local reporters at Gannett-owned newspapers. The action came after Gannett's decision to lay off 400 workers and eliminate another 400 vacant jobs. The reporters were joined by other reporters across the state in a one-day work stoppage. Henley says the loss of local reporters is more than an inconvenience, but it's undermining democracy.
4: You pick it, whether it be healthcare, care, hospitals, newspapers, factories, anything of value, this is the pyramid scheme that we are now in the midst of. And so as a consequence, while it's true that based on your individual income and ability to have free time, you may be able to create an, a startup the function of democracy that is always relied on a press that is very much a doubt it's replaced it has been a social media chief to produce aggregated content that has the big thumb imprint of it of corporate platforms whose primary purpose is not to inform but to drive media traffic and if that means the analytics analytics detail that they want you to hate your neighbor if they're a Democrat or Republican because that's going to get more hits That's exactly what they're going to do. I submit to you as Exhibit A, contrast the reaction in this country to the public health crisis of polio in the 1950s with the dysfunction and deadly response that we had from COVID. So what you do have is a corporate media that is setting the agenda. We just had the New York Times, which is perceived as a liberal body, produce a huge 40 or 50 paragraph lead national story, A1 Above the Fold, that warned that the crime wave was giving a tremendous benefit to Republicans. In that many, many, many paragraph story, all it was was cotton candy for the right wing. Anecdotes connected. And then here's the thing. I mean, it took a half dozen reporters to produce this propaganda. They then buried the one useful piece of news they actually found, which is that, oh, by the way, don't you know, this is on the jump several paragraphs in that the FBI changed the way that they collect uniform crime statistics, meaning that last year, one-third of American cities, including some of the largest, had not posted their crime statistics. So in short, we are left with nothing but inference, atmospherics, and innuendo shaping the policy debate. Similarly,
0: it seems like they're getting advice that they better cut the local reporting.
4: It's a waste of money. Well, that's because, right, because here's the thing. The reality is that from a marketing standpoint, the larger an audience you can deliver, the better your ad revenue is going to be. And now these decisions about where to place advertising being made by artificial intelligence. I mean, that's the other thing to consider is just how automated the decision making is, is about this. And also the confusion. I mean, I think that there's been a degradation in terms of public education, private and public education, that people don't really understand what the news is at this point. There's a fair... There are people that have the skills that we're involved with in terms of communicating that have decided that journalism didn't pay. And what they're involved with is issue public relations. And so that's another thing, the loss of newspapers and the loss of those places is a viable lifestyle where you could raise a family on.
0: Right. And that, of course, is not a... It, it's hard to quantify that as a uh, something that you can say is productive or non-productive. It might not be right. productive for a long time and then be productive. It might be productive for a while. Right,
4: it's like they called reporters' work a beat, a news beat, not because we're like the police, but because uh, reporting like good community law enforcement is about people, places, and times. And the discipline of being in the community, being open to the voices of the community, Being even where you're uncomfortable, but where the community lives. That's the obligation, and unfortunately, in the corporate model of today, that's done from a remote location where you don't have to get involved with actual human beings.
0: Labor reporter Bob Henley reports for Insider NJ. His article is titled, Shredding Local News, Our Essential Safety Net. And that's some of the news for Monday, November 7th. 2022. You can find the news at pauldirienzo.com. From New York City, I'm Paul Dirienzo. Thanks for listening.